All right, welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 11. Uh, today is Tuesday, November 18th. I'm your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your stewardess, Mike McKenna. We got another fan yesterday. Uh, got some great feedback from uh, one oh, yeah. Hillary. Hillary. Hillary Sills, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so thank you very much, Hillary, for the feedback. And uh, do indeed go to the Apple um, App Store and rate our podcast if you sh- if you would be yeah, so Yeah, not just once, though. Already. Go back a couple times. Quick update on Prince Charles. Can I interrupt for a second? My kids took it the wrong way. that I They, they think that I inferred they were nitwits um, last time. In no way did I mean that my children are nitwits. They are, of course, wonderful, smart, lovely, oh, completely you, you, above you average. Oh, did get people. some feedback oh, on that? Okay. yeah. Yeah, I haven't played it. My children haven't heard this one yet. So <laughs> Prince Charles. I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, easily. Just a quick update. On November 14th, a tweet, quote, the Prince of Wales and Duchess of Cornwall have arrived in Berlin. Theirs was the first official flight on the RAF Voyager since its controversial one million pound paint job in June. So, yeah, I assume that means like, you know, like what? What's that like a million bucks, million and a half bucks? <laughs> Could have used that money to solve the climate crisis. <laughs> I, you know, the, the great the great thing was the visual with the tweet was was him and her walking down. You saw it, stare, right? Yeah, this great big giant plane. I'm like, wow, they didn't even take like a small plane. This thing right. is ginormous. Right. It's bigger than AF1, of course. Crack That's whatever the, the president's on. So. So uh, the office of the president-elect Joe Biden, yeah. which is new, Joseph, a new office. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., yes. please. Uh, is now starting to fan out his core team. Yeah, man. We've got a few, uh, not surprisingly, a few familiar names on that yeah, list. It, it's, 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 you know. So here was a press release from the Sun, uh, Justice Democrats. Justice Democrats Executive Director Alexandra Rojas. By the way, do they meet in the Hall of Justice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the answer. If here, Here's the quote. If Joe Biden continues making corporate-friendly appointments to his White House, he will ri- risk quickly fracturing the hard-earned goodwill his team built with progressives to defeat Donald Trump. A Biden administration dominated by corporate-friendly insiders like Steve Ricchetti and Cedric Richmond will not help the president-elect usher in the most progressive Democratic administration in generations. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Is there more? No, I just wanted to close oh, it hey. <laughs> This move gives greater urgency for Joe Biden to create an office of climate mobilization on day one to appoint progressives with records standing up to the fossil fuel industry. Yeah. I, I you know, it it <laughs> having been on the having been on the other side of this, the progressive side of this, the loser side and who gets what jobs in which administration, um it, it I feel kind of bad for them because I know how the story ends and they're just when you have to put out a press release to express your displeasure. Yeah, you're already in quicksand. Yeah, pretty yeah, much. You're you, you're already losing, and you're just trying pretty to like, minimize the loss. And you know, now of course, if 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 the president elect doesn't, you know, if he, whether he does or doesn't set up an office of whatever climate mobilization, whatever that might be, um, he's going to look like a bad guy. Because if he does, he's going to look like a stooge for the Hall of Justice Democrats. 
And if he doesn't, he's going to yeah, look is, like a bad Yeah, I mean, guy. this is what we said was going to happen, it's, right? It's, it's I, like he they got a few – they were all excited about the transition <laughs> team. And then all of a sudden it's like I got my first five, six guys, and I hate – the progressives hate four of them. Yeah. And can barely tolerate the other two. You know, and, I mean, the thing is – you knew it was gonna happen. I, I'm laughing. I'm I'm laughing because, like you said, it's like where we yeah, we usually I, I, are. Right, right? I've been it's here like, before. I know how they feel. And the thing is, it, I'm laughing because it's funny, right? And but I'm also laughing because it took a week. It took a week. <laughs> it took a I week. Mean, yeah, this, this guy declared himself president on Saturday last. I mean, it, it took a week for this thing to devolve into disarray. Yeah. Not speaking of disarray, but. Um, the 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 situation with the you know the election president trump is not uh in no one is not conceding is no is under no obligation to concede uh, i think it's perfectly fine for him to I'm, pursue I'm, right it's these these challenges but it is you know when i go it, bowling it's the but... burden of proof is on him to prove these challenges unfortunately uh they aren't being they're not bearing out like we keep hearing that this is coming and I get that there's a lot of, you know, you know, um, you know, set you know, media is trying to saturate any of the developments and whatnot. But we're getting closer to the Electoral College. Yeah, December fourteenth, and everyone's starting to certify their votes. Look, the the thing is there's two things, right, that that tell you this thing was doomed from the start, right? Um, e- even if President elect Biden and his team, you know the, the office of I'm vice I'm, I'm going to call him President like, like Biden transitional that's what he is, office um, of the vice presidential. Even if they headed out to to even if they are friends of theirs or whatever headed out to swipe the election, which I'm deeply deeply skeptical about, the Trump team has two real problems that that make him make them particularly su- um, susceptible to such things. One is they have a complete, persistent, and durable inability to. Uh, engage on details of anything. They are not a detail crowd. I have no idea how a bunch of guys who make their living in like real estate and money and finance are terrible at details, but these guys are terrible at details. And then the second thing is, of course, the presence of Rudy Giuliani. Every, anything that involves America's mayor inevitably devolves into chaos, mayhem, and unhappiness. And I'm, I'm yeah, I, I think they have a, a, a another challenge because. Uh, as a veteran of the 2020 election uh, in Florida, you had 2000 a, election, 2000. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Get your, get your, get your disputed elections. Yeah, right. Would you? Right. The whole world concentrated on four counties. Okay. And the media gave Al Gore all the benefit of the doubt, but it was also a very, a, the, the winner of Florida was going to get enough electoral college votes to win the election. Yeah. And the loser was not. And you had four counties in dispute, basically. Yeah. Now, same thing, Democrat counties, shocker. But the point is, is that it was a concentrated discussion. Yeah. This is a is a mashup. It's four states. There's many, many states. There's lots of different allegations. There's all all this stuff going on. And you have a media who is absolutely not interested whatsoever. In hearing one side of the story. Well, let's so. let, like, okay. So the media is the media, right? They are what they are. They do what they do. Um, let's be honest. The president's played golf. Yeah. He hasn't explained any of this stuff in any, again, detail. Yeah. So it all, nor, nor has he said it, anybody else. This is where else this is going. Uh, as I said, the president is under no obligation to concede. 
Um, It is increasingly clear that they will not be able to prove without, uh, you know, that they will not be able to either prove or overturn what will likely be a certified election for Joe Biden. So what does this all mean? What is Donald Trump doing here? Is he conditioning the ground for something else? He, the, the rumors are that he's saying, well, if I don't get this one, I'm going to run again in 2024. So is, yeah. is he sitting around going, I know this is lost, but all my all the guys that are working on gals uh, that are working hard on this, keep it up and yeah, he's do done. what you can do. Great. But, you know, this is what's going on it, in my it, head. Um, I'm freezing the party. You're all stuck. You're all going to have to sit here and wait for me to make some decisions. So well, it's, suck it's, on it, that. It's not that. I mean, it's not it's not that last part. Right. It's not that it's, he's not trying to freeze the party. It's just his natural lifetime inclination is um, hire lawyers right at the terminal end of any particular thing, right? And we are at the terminal end of this particular thing. So, hi, hire the lawyers, see what they could do. Um, and, they, you know, lawyers are going to come back here in a couple of days and say, yeah, we can't do anything. And the president's going to get up and make a desultory speech that's not going to be a concession. It's going to be a, hey, I think I won, but, you know, you guys have a, you guys obviously have control of the system, so I'm going to Florida to play golf and think about running in 2024. Um, I, I like to think of it as the Alford plea of concession speeches, right? I'm not guilty, but you guys have enough to prove so I'm guilty, so I'm going to an Alford plea. Um, president going to run again in 2024? No idea. Um, you know, If he does, does he start off as a, the front runner? Um, no idea. Um, but... But I know that, um, you know, he's not going to allow anybody to have unlimited amount of oxygen, right? And that includes the president-elect. You know, Mr. Biden is going to start off with something no American president start off has started off with, well, since Abe Lincoln, right? There's a lot of things that you could finish that sentence with. Yeah, it's true. But whatever the one you, do, you have. He's in- going to have an organized opposition, like from day one, right? He's going to have no honeymoon, which is – fitting because in a lot of respects mr trump didn't have a honeymoon right Um, but you know given where the senate is and given where the house is um mr biden is just he's going to be in the fight of his life immediately upon taking oath and it's going to carry on for the duration of his administration or the duration of his life whichever um, whichever comes whichever is the relevant metric what hasn't stopped is the trump bashing there was a member of the House, I think it was uh, oh, Bill Pascrell, maybe, who said that uh, we want to investigate every member of the, the Trump, Trump administration. administration. Yeah, <laughs> the DOJ, the Biden DOJ, must investigate every member. And uh, I have an article from Fox News: petition circulating at Harvard to stop former Trump administration officials from attending, teaching, or speaking at the university. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, that that that's not going to happen because because Harvard's not like that. Um, but it it it's fun when petitions like that happen. Yeah, I saw Bill Prescrell and, I, you know, people are funny. Um, the Trump administration wasted an enormous amount of time and mindshare hunting down all the perceived injustices of the 2016 election. Right. And at first it was like, OK, that's a completely legitimate thing to do. But the fact that we were like at the end at the camp in the campaign in the 2020 election, everybody was still 
John Durham's going to have his report out in a week. And I'm thinking to myself, do you know how many people in America care about the John Durham report? Like, nobody. Well, I mean, and then the Senate decided to start having hearings uh, it, now oh. on all the stuff going on can, with the dossier and, I, and the Russian and this and that. It's like, why didn't you have these hearings back when right. the Mueller report was being investigated? Right. This whole thing is pointless. And and um, and the thing that cracks me up is I hope, speaking as a former member of the administration, I hope Congressman Pascrell spends all of his time investigating all of us because it will eventually soak up all of the House's time and energy, and they yeah. will be able to do nothing of the agenda that they actually think they're going to try to do. So here's a, another, and the media has, of course, piled on, too. I think this was the low point uh, of the week for the media. Here's a clip. Welcome to the program, everyone. I'm Christiana Manpour in London. This week, 82 years ago, Kristallnacht happened. It was the Nazis' warning shot across the bow of our human civilization that led to genocide against a whole identity. And in that tower of burning books, it led to an attack on fact, knowledge, history, and truth. After four years of a modern-day assault on those same values by Donald Trump, the Biden-Harris team pledges a return to norms, including the truth. And every day, Joe Biden makes presidential announcements about good governance and the health and security of the American people, while the great brooding figure of his defeated opponent rages, conducting purges of perceived enemies and preventing a transition. Yeah. Now she has since apologized, and to her credit, it was somewhat of a sincere apology, yeah. unlike a lot of the apologies from. Uh, well, let, me, let me just let me just say right now that that apology that's a lie. Oh yeah, well, you know you, you you don't you do not get on television. You do not get on television and say that kind of stuff. That was that was teleprompter. She wrote it. Oh yeah, she had it was produced. About it. it was she had a it was cut. Look at it. She had lots editor. of great old footage. Yeah. They spent so, lots of time on it. So that's a lie. And and then. It, and, you know, I have a very, very high tolerance for the usual um, rough and tumble of political discourse, right? Um, that is so far out of bounds. That is so far out of bounds that the fact that CNN has not fired her is inexcusable. Absolutely. If, if, it, if, if anyone, anyone from center over to the right said anything like that, uh, about anybody else, they they would get fired right away. She deserved to be fired and deplatformed, because you know, it, forget anything else. It is a completely fact-free um, commentary. It is completely fact-free. It is. It, you know, it's, it's just. It's it's, it's so far. It's out of appalling. It's, I mean, it's, beyond the pale. It's yeah, just and, absolutely appalling. And, and I have you know. You know, it's I don't know. Basically, he's basically she said. Donald Trump, same you know, same as guys killed Jews, busted their busted their businesses open and burned books, and and that is whatever else you think about, him, totally unsupported. It's unsupported by yeah, any facts just, at all. It just will. I mean, I'm I'm wor it, I'm not worried. I'm wondering how long the media will take to stop fixating on this guy. Six months. Uh, you know, eventually they'll start chewing on Joe Biden. Who knows? By the end of the Biden administration, maybe somebody will talk about how you know. Today is the 86th anniversary of Kristallnacht, you know, where, where, you know, Joe Biden's intellectual ancestors did terrible things. I doubt it, but you never can tell. It, yeah. it, CNN is profoundly bankrupt, morally. All right. Um, on a different note, 
you have a column. Yes. RNC should not rubber stamp Trump's pick of Ronna McDaniel as chairwoman. Yeah. I, I, I think that ran, uh, what, Monday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Saturday. Saturday. Well, I think it posted. Saturday, Monday. Well, it posts up online. For those, Was it in print on Monday? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes. It posts oh, up. Okay. It posts Thank up online you. Friday night usually, and then and then. By the Monday, way, I need a. Do I actually need a subscription to this? You to probably this, with all the everyone, ads. Everyone with all subscribe. of the online ads on the Washington Times. I actually still need a subscription. Everyone should subscribe to the Washington Times to list to, to if, if for no other reason than to read my column because, you know, in in at the rate I'm going in forty years, like thousands of people are going to read it and you're going to feel left out. Um, yeah, I thought the you know the column. So Ronald McDaniel ex- has expressed interest in running. And R- has been endorsed by the the by RNC again, Trump. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's fine. That's great. I put that in my column. Everybody's entitled to do whatever they want to do, right? Um, she had one job in this cycle, right? Um, and that was to get the president reelected, and she failed. And I don't blame her for failing. I don't think she's a bad person for failing. But it is hardly a recommendation to rehire someone when they fail to do the job you hired them to do originally. What's worse is, is that her colleagues at the National Republican Senatorial Committee and the National Republican Congressional Committee, as we run the Senate and the House, did very well. We held the Senate. We picked up seats in the House. And my friends at the Republican State Leadership Committee did their usual spectacular job, their unsung spectacular job. We picked up a governor two lieutenant governors, and flipped not one, not two, but three state legislative bodies, giving us 62 of 99 in the all-important run-up to redistricting. So basically, one person in the party who failed was Chairman McDaniel. Um, And as you pointed out, the president endorsed her. I think there's a non-zero chance that she gets um, re-elected chairman of the RNC, and I think that's a terrible message. Because what the message it sends, it sends a twofold message. One is performance doesn't matter. What matters is is that you're close to the boss. And okay, that what that's going to lead to is a bunch of people who are underperformers, but who spend a lot of time hanging out with Donald Trump on a golf course. That's great, but it's destined to have a party that sub subperforms, right? Underperforms. That's um, that's thing one. And thing two is it sends a really clear message to everybody who's thinking about running in 2024. If Chairman McDaniel is the, is the chairman, you're going to be running against the party because the party is going to be – the party apparatus is going to be a wholly owned subsidiary of DJT Enterprises. Well, that's not a guarantee. She did not get the endorsement. She would not have gotten the endorsement without a hard, hard, hard commitment to the president that she would um, – lean towards his side. And I know, I know, let me just get out in front of this story right now. <laughs> I know that everyone is going to say, no, that's not true. She's going to be a neutral arbiter and all this stuff. So basically, we're, the Republicans are going to rig the next rooms. primary, like the Democrats no, were accused I don't, of rigging No, I don't primary. think so. I don't think so. But the parties... I mean, do you think that, that the DNC rigged the primaries against Bernie twice? Yes. I think there's a lot of evidence to that too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do I think that that this is going to be a rig thing? No. But do I think that in every in every moment of importance, is she going to put the finger on the thumb? Is she going to put the thumb on the scale of whoever the president winds up endorsing or if he himself runs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Is that healthy? No. Mm-hmm. Is it good? No. Should people vote against it? If they're concerned about competence, if they're concerned about neutrality, if you're concerned about a thriving party, 
then yeah, you should think really hard. You're one of those 168 people voting. You should think really hard. And if the party votes for her, everyone who gives money to them, spends time volunteering for them, should think about what they want to do next. Okay, so in the article you wrote, the election has been good for the Republicans in part because Mr. Trump's partisans turned out to vote. So you are then giving the president credit for some of the gains no, made. No, or giving, not the giving the president partisans credit. Mm -hmm. The president himself ran a terrible campaign. And so the other does anybody want to does, and anybody who'd like to dispute me on that, I would please, please, please send me an email and tell me how I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm the so, other I'm so wait, wait, wait. The other sentence is they need to keep and build on the best of the last four years and yeah. shear away the less appealing parts. Sure. So giving Donald Trump credit for for bringing in, sure. Non traditional Republican voters, sure. Does he moving also, on from President Trump. Does he deserve opprobrium for driving away traditional Republican voters? No. 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 So, okay. So he's just going to get the positive stuff. No, I didn't say. No, no. I didn't. Does he deserve. Does, does he deserve. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. I do understand. I mean, what look, you're saying. I believe you should give credit the, the and blame where it's due. Tr and, Trumpism is not going away. And, and right, unless sure. and until Trump decides to. It's not going away, forward. period. It's not going away, period. So the question becomes then. As we talked about in the past, yeah. where does it, where, who takes that mantle? I don't know. Theoretically, we were going to have that conversation in the 2024 primary. But obviously, if the president's involved in the 2024 primary, it's going to complicate that, right? Because we're not going to pass the mantle until the guy's ready to pass it himself, right? Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not ours to give. It's his. But let me just say one thing real quick. I found that column to be incredibly um, anodyne. All I, simp all I said was... There are the good. RNC should have a an open yes. election, and yes. that's a you know yes. a fairly and, benign and, and you should, request. And you should be clear that and she should run. You should be if she wants to run, it's great, cool. She can run. She Let's talk run. about her record. She failed at her one job. Oh, and by the way, she lost her own state by one hundred forty eight thousand votes. It wasn't close. She, it, so it wasn't like well, you know, she had trouble in and uh uh, uh, -uh. lost her own state, lost the whole thing, and. The other thing I thought was anodyne was that I've been getting some pushback on is there were good parts of the last four years. There were bad parts of the last four years. To my mind, that's the least remarkable thing I could possibly <laughs> say. All right. So the, the article does highlight um, it, what is not being discussed widely is the, the incredibly successful – this incredibly successful run of, you know – basically Republicans sweeping everything other than the White House yeah. gives Joe Biden the narrowest House majority yeah. in history with one exception, John F. Kennedy. Well, no, let me say that a different way. He has lost, he lost more House votes when he was being elected for the first time um, than any other president other than John Kennedy in 1960, yeah. right? Uh, ever. Yeah. 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 But there, there's plenty of other examples of people who've lost House votes when they came in. But the percentage was the highest, the second highest. The number. In terms of loss. The number, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But keep in mind, the last two Republican presidents both lost – actually, the last three Republican presidents lost House votes, lost House seats um, coming in on their first yeah. term. Well, the, the, I mean the – Including the current occupant. The last time a Democrat did not have a Democrat, Democratic president, incoming Democratic president, did not have a – House or Senate. Democratic-controlled Senate was – 
Grover Cleveland. Yeah, I, I knew it was long ago. I didn't know it was that far yeah, back. I think there was yeah. eight, the year was 1884, I yeah. believe it is. I mean, he, as you said, he's limping in this. He's not yeah, going to have yeah. a honeymoon. It's a mess. Um, it's, it, it's a it's, mess. It's a mess. And you know what? That's why the Hall of Justice Democrats cracked me up because now is not the time to turn this thing over to the kiddies and say, hey, it's a toy train. You guys run it. <laughs> yeah. Now, this, this, this thing's a real live railroad they're trying to run. They need um, they need guys who have some idea what they're trying to do. And say what you want about Klain or Ketty and, and Cedric Richmond, right? They're going to be competent. They are competent. They've been competent, right? So anyway, but that's not where you were going. You are going somewhere No, else. I want to talk about redistricting because one of the things that the midterms are already advantage Republican. Just on the fact that it's a midterm – Republicans generally do okay in midterms unless well, it's a, you know, yeah, unless you it's a, have, we still have two dozen moderates sitting in Republican seats. Yes. In the House. And 188 of the seats, 43% of the House will be controlled completely in the redistricting process by Republicans. Yeah. On the contrary, on the contrast, 73 seats or 17% of the seats will be redistricting was controlled by the Democrats. Yeah. That is huge. It is. Um, you know, the only thing that's going to run against it is, and, and I encourage people to watch this closely, a Biden justice department is going to get involved in a lot of stuff. They are going to, they're going to take their voting rights act authority and take it right to the wall. Um, so, you know, figuring, Hey, if nothing else happens, I'll get some judges involved and maybe I'll flip a few seats that I wouldn't have flipped otherwise. And you think it's not important in the off cycle redistricting that happened in Pennsylvania and North Carolina, Republican party probably lost five seats. You know, that that's the difference between 223 and a 218, 217 house. Right. So this redistricting stuff is material, right? Yeah, absolutely. Material. 30 of the 50 states are are basically in Republican hands. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's one that's split. Yeah. Is that right? It splits. I think it's Nebraska has a, a Nebraska has a, unicameral. Unicameral. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, it's, it is, it is boding well for Republicans yeah. to have both, you yeah. know, to continue to, to sort of roll, rack wins, but also for, for the bench. Right. I mean, yeah. you've got Republican governors who are, are starting to assert themselves starting to raise their profile. You've got Nikki Haley out there. Yeah. You got Governor Nom Nome from Christy Nome. Yeah, Christy Nome. America's favorite governor, America's so, sweetheart governor. You know, this is all I think for the for the future of the party, I think it's, you know, yeah, it's this good. is a significant. It's the, good. The redistricting for this for this. Yeah, and, and um, you know, it it for the Biden guys it means they have about 18 months and then they're going to need to move on. Speaking of the 18 months, our friend Jason Grumet, our uh, former Obama climate advisor, issued a quote recently. I'll read it to you. I don't think we want the biggest climate battles to happen in the next six to 18 months. We're more likely to be successful once we are through the trauma and fear of the public health and economic crises. Yeah. So I've known Jason. Which translates to we have to wait till after the midterms because we're going to get slaughtered in the midterms if we if we start right. tackling Let's this. Let's see the, the, the other way to think about this. And I've known Jason for 25 years, right? And he's a good guy and I like him a lot, but I think he's misreading this. If you don't do it right now, if you're a Democrat, it doesn't get done. You know, if you don't, whatever you want to do legislatively, you have to try right this second because as soon as the Republicans take the House – that wall closes off, right? You you forget it. You're not negotiating at that point. 
you're in a you're in divided government. You still have a chance to negotiate. You have some moderates in the Senate. Maybe you could do something on reconciliation, infrastructure. I think they, they got two hacks at this. They've got an infrastructure bill and reconciliation. See, basically, I, yeah, I, I, and I think COVID relief is going to probably tr- is going to carry a bunch of the infrastructure stuff with it. I don't know. I, McConnell's pretty hardened on this stuff. He I, is. He seems he, pretty he is, intent to just sit around and wait for them to agree to pass piecemeal 500 here, 500, 500 Well, and I think that's probably a great there. answer, but I think so. I think he's going to – the COVID relief thing will be what it is, but then the infrastructure thing will be something separate. I think he, I, could, I could easily imagine him coming together and running as, as, as a package – you know, with a, with a hard number on the COVID relief side and a hard number on the infrastructure side. But I also don't think infrastructure is going to be much bigger than what it is now. It's not going to be this great $2 trillion monstrosity. No, I, I said right? that too. I gave a speech yesterday to some of the Rosella Shale guys, and I said it's going to be a much more modest package, it's gonna but be, it's going to have lots of clean energy goodies in it. It's going to look like a surface so. transportation deal, right? Like traditional roads. But they'll get it done because yeah. there's pent-up desire to spend money. Yeah. So speaking of COVID, <laughs> lockdowns are back. Spender's going to spend. Spender's got to spend, baby. <laughs> lockdowns are back. And our friend Anthony Fauci just said uh, very, very candidly, uh, we need some fundamental public health measures that everyone should be adhering to. Not a disjointed one state says one thing, the other state says another thing. So right, right in line with Biden, he wants to nationalize the COVID response. Um, I am a little bit offended by that because I can like Google what my neighboring state is doing to figure out what I will need to do in order to, to sort of maintain my COVID safe distance, you know, uh, cohesion. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's a, it's a power grab for sure. And he said a couple of things. This, he said a couple of things in the last two weeks that have been disturbing. One of them was, one of them was entertaining, right? He said, "Hey, even after the vaccine, we're going to need to have masks and lockdowns and stuff like that because, you know, the vaccine's not going to be 100% effective." I'm like, "Sure, nothing in medicine's 100% effective. The patient eventually dies, um, no matter yeah, what patient you're talking about." We are moving to about. a zero death threshold. I, it, this seriously. is this is what they're they're <laughs> they're saying is basically. We will continue to control you until there are zero until deaths. Until there are zero deaths. It's crazy, right? So he said that, and, and I thought, huh, interesting. Um, and then the other thing he said was, hey, now's the time to do what you're told to do. And, and that, that I yeah, think we had fun for a while, but now, now's, but now's this. That's pretty close to a direct quote. And, and um, we are heading, you know, I don't think. Don't think the Biden guys understand that the biggest mistake the president made was going along with the 15-day lockdown and then the 30-day lockdown. That's what cost President Trump the election. I'm convinced, right? Um, I don't think the Biden guys fully appreciate that yet. When you do something like this, it, it's it's devastating. It, it's, it's already devastated. It's psychologically it, it damaged. Completely yes. like upended. Enti- I mean, the, the, the COVID is, it sucks. I've said this. It's a terrible thing that has been afflicted on us, but the responses have been worse, just worse. a disaster psychologically. Um, families, like we're literally having a negotiation in our, in our family over whether or not it makes sense to join together to have dinner. Yeah. You know, we're talking like 10 people. I don't know what the restriction is in Maryland, but 
Right. That's that's what what the that's the conversation and or you know do we all have to show up with a negative test card? And wow, I mean, yeah. See, I mean, my attitude is slightly different. We're just doing it, and if you don't feel comfortable showing up, don't show up. And you know, there's people who are like, I'm like, okay, we'll miss you. Um, but long story short is, um, it 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 brings out all the pathologies. It it accentuates all the pathologies, and it it strengthens political resistance. It doesn't. It doesn't make resistance Joe, go away. Uh, the office of the vice office of the president elect, former vice president Joe Biden, actually actually starting to take some call some questions from the media now. Yeah. And uh, I want to play one on COVID. I think it points to all of the issues that he will be having to deal with. All the things we've been talking about requires a pretty energetic, yeah, fella. Well, like to like, manage, like like Madison said, energy in the executive. Uh, uh, thank you, Mr. President-elect. You have been urging the American public to continue practicing social distancing and wearing a mask, but with cases skyrocketing across the country, do you think that more governors should be closing non-essential businesses and reinstating stay-at-home orders? Look, uh, it depends on the state. What I what I failed to mention earlier is the. Uh, um, the enormous respect I have for Republican, conservative Republican governors who stepped up and issued mandates for wearing masks in North Dakota. Uh, you know, I mean, the idea, one of the leaders in this area has been the Republican governor, Republican, Republican governor in Ohio. Um, and uh, in addition to the folks who've already been leading, like the governor of of Michigan. I mean, you know, the idea that the president's now existing, remaining uh, advisor on COVID is saying that uh, they should resist. What the hell's the matter with these guys? What is the matter with them? Resist. You know, every major individual of any consequence in the health field is saying we can save, we can save 100,000 lives just between now and January 21st by wearing these masks. It's going to take a while for the vaccine to be able to be available, distributed, and get to people. We're talking about 350 to 400,000 people dying? I mean, what are they doing? It's totally irresponsible. Irresponsible. And so I compliment the governors who stepped forward, who have been stepping forward, but also the Republican governors who stepped forward. I, I, I left out the governor of Utah, very conservative state, governor of North Dakota. And all the Democratic governors have been doing it all along. I mean, it, it, it's, it's uh, I, I just ask a rhetorical question. Do you guys understand this? Does anybody understand why a governor would turn this into a political statement? Yeah. yeah. It's about patriotism. It's about being patriotic. It's about saving lives for real. I'm not. This is not hyperbole. It's not a joke. There's no joke. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. First of all, the question was about Scott Atlas. Yeah. And his response was why any governor would, like, he completely garbled yeah, that. He garbled it. He garbled that, but he couldn't name one. Of the governors. Of the governors. Yeah, not even Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan. He couldn't even says, name. Right? I. Ooh, I mean, this is just not gonna. I mean, I was sort of excited about 
having some fun with some clips and things, but I don't know, man. No, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, you know, the, the, the unify all you people who have reservations about mask mandates. That you know, we're, we're we're that'll be the message next week, right? They'll get back on message. I want to unify with all you people who disagree <laughs> oh, with me. You sons of bitches <laughs> who don't look. Here's the deal. Get get on board, pal. Unify. Okay. So what he doesn't know is he just sunk Mike DeWine in Hawaii, right? He just sunk him. Everybody's lock, now like, oh, good. Lord. Lockdowns abound, led by the blue state governors, yeah. including our own Gavin Newsom, who violated a yeah. rule the other day. Well, violated too, right? He went to French Laundry, which I've always wanted to go to, so I'm, I'm kind of envious, right? So the on governor, the hand, first the, of all, the French Laundry. Yeah. Secondly, a large gathering, but uh, I want to play his apology, and it's a little bit long, but I, I want to play it for you. But a few weeks ago, uh, I was asked to go to a friend's 50th birthday. Uh, my wife and I, a friend that I've known for almost 20 years, and uh, and a friend that had, well, put a lot of time and energy into his 50th birthday. It was in Napa, which was in the orange status, relatively loose compared to some other counties. Uh, it was be an outdoor uh, uh, restaurant, and we started the, well, the program started at 4 o'clock. It was one of those early reservations. I got there a little bit late at 4.30, uh, and as soon as I sat down at uh, the larger table, I realized it was a little larger group. Uh, than I had anticipated. Uh, and I made a bad mistake. Instead of sitting down, uh, I should have stood up and walked back, got in my car and drove back uh, to my house. Instead, I chose to sit there with my wife uh, and a number of other couples that were outside the household. You can quibble about the guidelines, et cetera, et cetera, but the spirit of what I'm preaching all the time uh, was contradicted, and I got to own that. And so I want to apologize to you uh, because I need to preach and practice, not just preach and not practice. And I've done my best to do that. Uh, we're all human. We all fall short sometimes. Uh, we've been out, and I think, for three times since. In fact, I know it's been three times because I remember all of those dinners very, very vividly uh, since February, just three times. Uh, twice with my wife by myself outdoors, and then this one occasion uh, with a larger group. And there were just a few extra people there uh, than the spirit of what I am promoting. Uh, and so if you're going to minimize mixing, you gotta, you got to own up to that. So uh, I just want folks to know that. Paid for our dinner, uh, and we, uh, you know, we, we had an early dinner, but it didn't matter. Uh, I shouldn't have been there. I should have turned back around. And uh, so when that happens, you got to... You pay the price, but you also own the mistake, and you don't ever make it again. And you have my word on that. Okay, I had to play the whole thing because no, it was the most. Good. Uh, it was like um, um, well, I, I had a dinner four o'clock, a little bit early on the early side. A couple of friends, only done three other times, two other times with my wife, both outside. Well, right? But <laughs> you see, the... you see why he's, you see why he's a dangerous and a good politician, right? Um, if, if he could get his hair cut at some other place, he would probably um, 
he would be a, a really serious candidate for president of the United States because he's just like, was it a mistake? Yeah. And no, like, no, no, no. I, I, don't, I don't see it that oh, way. Oh, I do totally. And, I don't you know, because in, in any way, shape, or form. He refused to quibble, right? He's like, he's like, should I quibble? You know, can you quibble with this? He's like, I'm not going to do that. Boom. Here's what I think, right? He just, look, a lot of politicians would have, A, never said anything, and B, would have, like, well, eh, Look, the imagery yeah. here is just, I mean, it's I know. the you're French Cal laundry you're for his so lobbyist like buddy. It. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, he had see, no intention of walking in and going, ooh, there are a few more people here than than uh, is allowed based on my order. So I should probably walk away. And if there's if there's proof, uh, someone snapped a photo of it. And uh, this is what the, the report was on Fox. Governor Newsom was. Now those photos that she took are raising some new questions about the governor's claims that the dinner was outdoors, as he has repeatedly claimed. Take a look. Tonight, a Fox 11 exclusive. We've obtained this photo of Governor Gavin Newsom dining at the luxurious French Laundry restaurant in Napa the evening of November 6th. It was a birthday dinner party for Newsom's close friend, Jason Kinney, a well-known lobbyist. And I just happened to look over and realized, hey, is that Gavin Newsom? Who? Okay, so first of all, it's outdoor, outside, outdoor. Apparently, it's an outdoor it's an outdoor indoor. Yeah. And they were so damn loud that they actually closed the sliding doors. Uh -huh. So uh, so he technically can get away with saying it was outdoors. He, but I'm, I'm telling you. He, he... Look, I, I just the whole point is this. It's the hypocrisy knows oh, no yeah. bounds oh, with look, these they, politicians. These guys. These period. Guys. End of story. Sure. And. We, I, mean, I see the apology much differently than you. It was a, uh, he, uh, ooh, well, I, I'm actually mostly a good guy, but I just made a mistake, even though the picture that was taken shows yeah, him but, like practically belly laughing at something that somebody said yeah, but the at the French Laundry. See, the difference is, is that most people, they're going to hear that apology and they're going to be like, Gee, I never get that from a politician. From all these guys, like Diane Feinstein, she's walking around Senate without a mask on yesterday. She's never going to apologize for that. You're never going to apologize. She's like, you know what? Screw it. I don't have to apologize to any of you people. Nancy Pelosi never apologized Actually, to anybody Actually, at the end of the day, she should have took a lesson from Nancy. I appreciate, I appreciate the question. And let me just say this. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time. And that we can set up that time. I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. Yeah. And that's all <laughs> see, and that's, see, and that's, that's my point exactly. If you let them eat cake. If you think about the difference between what Nancy did and what Gavin did, he's much better than she is. He's much better. He's he's gonna he's he's gonna run for president one day and he's gonna be a tough out. I'll tell you that right now. Prediction right now. Boom. Gavin Newsom's gonna run for president. He's going to be a tough out. Just get used to the idea. All right. Well, bottom line is lockdowns are back. Hypocrisy is back. Yeah, I was going to say. Fauci if, is if ready to seize power from uh, the masters yeah, once again. You know, Biden's going to find out that he doesn't actually have any authority to do a national lockdown. I I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you, what do you mean? I, there's just no law that allows him to do any of this stuff. Like I Look, and I don't want anybody to think I'm not taking this stuff seriously. We, we we take every precaution. We don't want it. We don't want to deal with it. We've had a, a, an incident in the in the extended family. Thank God. Um, 
recovery, on the road to recovery. We did all the important things, but we are also realists and practical people. And this other, me, I don't, I've seen people that are literally cowering in fear. Yeah, I was going to say, let me level set this for just a second. I don't know what we had. We have about 250,000 deaths, right? Out of like 11 million positives, right? So our number, our, our, our um, fatality rate's down around 2%, which is down from like a high of like 5% when this thing started. And that's, you know, 2% still high. Eventually it's going to get to be zero. But long story short is 25,000 people died yesterday on this planet from hunger and malnourishment. Or and, soon, and you know what? You know, how 20, many car fatalities? And 25,000, forget all that. 25,000 are going to die tomorrow from hunger and malnourishment. And you know what? Nobody cares about any of those guys. The media spends no words on any of those guys because they're not rich people in the first world. So, well, the, the... so until, until, unless and until the media starts talking about that, I'm not going to worry about the me this. The media does not talk about this. They talk about this much like they, they fixate on Trump. They do, they do not bother to actually, you have to, in order to dig deeper, you have to literally go hunt for information because they're not talking about it. Yeah. What has changed is the whole reason for the shutdown in the first place was to stop the spike, right? So for the hospitalizations, it had nothing to do with, with positive cases, 15 days to stop the spread. Stop the spread. And and what we're, has we're happened day, is the like... new, the, what is now being reported are cases. Yeah, it, it, and and they, they make fun of Trump and say, well, we test more, right? Well, yeah, we test more. But the other thing they don't talk about is the tests are almost, are, are the ones that they say are the gold standard, the PCR tests, they, they detect COVID in the traces amounts depending yeah. on the cycle. Of of they, they, you run the cycle once, it comes up with what you've got. You keep running the cycle, eventually you'll find COVID, yeah. including you know dead dead cells running around. So Joe. that's not being discussed. It's not being reported. The other thing that's not being reported is hospitalizations are up. Why? Because you have to be admitted to the hospital in order to receive therapeutics. You can't go to your doctor yeah. and get therapeutics, and that's why hospitalizations are up because. They're admitting people so they can give them the therapeutics, which saved their life. Yeah, it, it's, you know, the Biden guys, I'm sure they don't want to wander too deep into this because they're going to wind up um, drowning in it, just like Trump did, right? You know, eventually it eats you. Um, but we'll see. All right, moving on. Climate change. Yay. Our friend, uh, the the owner or founder of Amazon. Jeff Bezos just announced Princeton class of 84 800 million dollars in climate grants yeah I saw that good for him good for him the world resources institute one of the four biggest recipients with a hundred million dollars the climate works foundation which got 50 million dollars our friends at the NRDC as if they don't have enough cash got a hundred million dollars uh, yeah. The list goes on and on and on. Energy Foundation, $30 million. Union of Concerned Scientists, our friends there, $15 million. Walk around money? Yeah. And indulgences for climate change yeah. or you know, the, okay. legitimate? Yeah, that's a great question. And so here's the deal, right? When these rich guys- Look, here's the deal. Well, here's the deal. This is no joke. This um, is no joke. Come on, man. Come on, man. Um, when- um, when these rich guys give out this kind of money to these these organizations, I always have one thought in my head. I'm like, okay, there's no way Jeff B 
Bezos got to be the richest man on the planet by being a dummy, right? Um, or by indiscriminately throwing his money around. So he must look at NRDC and the World Resources Institute and the Energy Foundation, all the rest of these guys on this issue, this particular issue, climate, right? And realize that they have gotten just an ungodly amount of money over the last 30 years and done nothing with it. You know, whatever you think about climate change, whatever you think about um, the science of climate change, whatever you think yeah, about any of that stuff. I see where this is going. Over the last 30 years, they've accomplished literally nothing. Um, right? No, ma no matter what metric you use, did they get any legislative stuff done? Did they get any regulatory stuff done? Did anything actually change out in the real world, right, at IRL? And the answer is no. So a guy like Bezos gives 800 million bucks to a bunch of people who have literally done nothing for 30 years. And you, 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 you're, there's only two possible conclusions. One, he's a dunce who didn't do his homework. Hmm, that unlikely. Conclusion number two is he's just spreading it around to make sure that he doesn't get in trouble later on. Yeah. So, you know, because who uses more cardboard than Amazon? Who, who drives more than Amazon? Who's got the bigger car? They got to have the biggest carbon footprint on the planet. The, I'll read a, an article, a, a line from another article. In uh, E&E News, Amazon Inc., the sprawling technology conglomerate that produces more planet-warming carbon dioxide <laughs> annually than some Western European nations, <laughs> has made its emission-cutting ambitions central to the company's public ratings. Yeah, so the article so, goes on to say, so not the out lead. of 115 <laughs> Amazon lobbyists, one... One. Works on climate, quote unquote. Yeah, T.A. Hawks. And he doesn't really work on climate. I'm sure he just put that in the disclosure. Yeah. So so one thing I would recommend for Amazon, you need a better PR firm. Because honest to God, if that's the lead sentence you get out of E&E, I'll, I'll give it 800 million bucks. You're in, you're in a real deep ditch. Yeah, I mean, you, you you should have gotten some something happy like Amazon wanting to lead the nation or wanting to lead the world on climate change gave 800 million bucks to a bunch of, you know, named, I think they of, named a stadium somewhere, the climate pledge stadium I or just, some deal. So <laughs> I, like, it's like I said, so, so let's review on Bezos real, real briefly. Um, bribing, um, basically bribing uh, environmental organizations to shut their mouths on him. And then he needs to hire a different PR firm. And uh, Jeff, if you're listening, I'll, I'll, take up i'll be your pr guy for like a lot less than whatever you wasted your money on to get that lead i get you better lead and than also that. i mean i'll take some of that money seriously too. we, we'll we work part, on climate we'll issues. all take part of this action it's like i mean how do you even compete with that I, what is our 990s show like annually like four or five million bucks a year dude i mean it's it's like it's like you said a few episodes ago it's like all we got to do is just keep getting in their way and just annoying the hell out of them because it, it, it 800 million bucks and you know the only good thing i'm looking i'm looking forward to five years from now having a reporter you know ask ask bezos hey you just blew 800 million bucks five years ago what what'd, what'd you get for you? it you get oh they didn't it? write a negative story about me for five years yeah and that's going to be the answer so, that's going to be the answer i just i don't uh Good, more power to him. Uh, you know, I'm glad these guys. I'm glad he's doing the Zuckerbergs well. and and all these guys. I mean, they're just throwing so much money into these systems that you know you can't even possibly spend it all. Yeah, the tech, the tech guys, and that's the untold story in DC. I know you want to get to your last thing. Um, 
The untold story in DC is the I don't have a last thing. This show doesn't have a last thing. This show just does what it does, man. The untold story in DC especially is the tech guys, their money is just pouring in everywhere and it's affecting things like at the chamber and business. Oh, I forgot to mention that. that, Yeah. Um, And this this is just another sign of it. The great thing is, is that they're poorly organized and don't seem to have any kind of coherent thought about what they want to accomplish. Um, the bad thing is they're eventually going to stumble across um, competent operatives who are going to say, hey, you want to do this? I can do it for you for $100 million bucks or $200 million bucks, less than you're spending now. Um, and I, I, when that happens, I'll worry. But as long as they're interested in buying like the Chamber of Commerce and like um, NRDC, I'm like, what's to worry about, right? Those guys can't get out of their own way for the most part. Yeah. So lastly, I think on my list, I have a press uh, release from the Zero Emission Transportation Association, a new lobby group for elect- for electric vehicles, Tesla, Uber, and 26 others launched with the, um, the list is includes Con Edison, <laughs> ChargePoint, Sure. Duke Energy, Edison International. Yeah. Lordstown Motors, which I think is the uh, the yeah. one that Ford funded. Yeah, somebody did. It's an EV thing. Uh, probably GM, right? Because Lordstown's got GM. PG&E Corporation. Plant Lordstown. Southern yeah. Company, Siemens. Yeah, you know, Salt River Uber, Project. Yeah, Tesla, yeah, yeah. et cetera. Vistra, all these guys. Yeah, yep. yeah. It's, it's basically all the EV guys and the utilities. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they want every vehicle sold in the United States to be electric by the year 2030. Yeah. This is my favorite line. The new lobbying group's main goal is to create the economic, social, and political environment (laughs) (laughs) that will support 100% electric vehicle sales. It's an incredibly modest goal. We want to remake the entire country. Um, (laughs) so, So what struck me about that? about that thing is, is who's not on it, right? None um, of the auto companies. It, not, not, none of the auto companies, not the auto dealers, none of the supply chain guys, none, no, nobody like that, right? The other groups who are not on there, there's no environmental groups that I could remember, right? There's none of the usual suspects. Um, you know, no, it's the guys who make batteries. It's the guys right. who want to sell cars, basically. Right. And, and the he, utilities who want to provide the electricity right. for the guys who make the batteries, who who then make the cars, who guys, then sell the cars. You know, I, I mean, don't get me so, wrong. I, I, got, I got friends on that list. Um, but this has got to be the most harebrained idea I've run across in a while. The idea that we're going to sell, what is it, 100% of the cars? 100% by 2030. In the next nine years um, is given that we sell less than two, either less than or right at 2% now, uh, implies a rate of growth that would strain even the slave labor camps in China and the child labor camps <laughs> Wait, what are you the talking Democratic about? Republic of D- Congo. Just stop. You're talking about like the like real things like you just <laughs> you can't do that like you can't just like go around and tell people like how how to achieve something you can't like ask that. people why they're white the automobile <laughs> the internal combustion engine uh took over market share dominated market share of the automobile industry in the early 1900s something like that yeah they were competing with steam power engines steamers, yeah. and, and electric, electric vehicles yeah, yeah. it, it they won. 
right? And today's vehicles are like wildly, vastly superiorly cleaner than yeah. they than they were back then. So it's just. I've said this before. I'll say it again. To imagine a world in which there's 100% electric vehicles is to imagine two things that, to my mind, are going to be very difficult to imagine. One is it imagines a world in which we're generating about um, twice as much electricity as we do now, right? There's a study. With wind and solar, by the way. Right. Because well, that's whatever. part of the other plan. Well, that, and that's not, that's not feasible, right? 100% renewable by, I don't know, Biden said 2035 or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. So and, these are both happening yeah. at the exact and, same and, time yeah. in liberal fantasy, you know, yeah. government takeover of our energy space world. So, so 100%, right? Um, you'd have to double the electricity system in, in nine years. According to these guys, right? In nine years, we'd have to figure out a way to double our generation capacity. Without using coal. Right. Without, without and, using and nuclear, they, they, maybe they might, they'll give on nuclear. No, maybe, no, no. No, they won't. Yeah, we we right, couldn't even won't. build it. We could Even if they gave on nuclear, we, we don't have capacity to build more than one or two nuclear plants in the next 10 years. So gas plants. And then the second part of it that it requires you to believe is that a significant chunk of the American people are going to be comfortable with... Um, supply chains that begin in communist China and involve slave labor. They're not going to... And supply chains... Nothing to see here, Mike. And supply chains that um, involve the Democratic Republic of the Congo and involve child labor. And you know what? I have enough confidence in in Americans to realize they're never going to accept that. They're never going to accept that. So well, that, that's not what this is about. This is about preserving the subsidies. Sure, it's about, about the, it's expanding about that, it's the about subsidies. That stupid EV tax. It's about credit. the you know letting the gravy train continue to run. Yeah. I, I just if you look at the numbers, it, it, it's just it it's makes not no even sense. worth right. It, it's so, it's so goofy. It's, G, Tesla and GM lot basically told the rest of the industry, I'm. I'm lobbying. We're either lobbying for the continuation of the tax credit, yeah, or we're lobbying to kill, yeah, the, the ta- tax credit. The tax credit for all you guys. That's yeah. when they all jumped on board. Yeah, and they so you know it, it, now it's clear that that's not that's not going to happen. That's that's going to there's going to be a break there. It it doesn't you know the this whole thing back to back to the point about about Jeff. Princeton class of 85 wasting his 800 million bucks class of 84 I guess wasting his 800 million bucks this is the kind of stuff he's wasting it on fantasies ridiculousness stuff that has its own internal contradictions and stuff Listen, that has constraints you, that are no, like can't be pierced you just you do not have a vision you can't you just can't see the future is clean the future is is here mike we are we are in the transition the transition is happening. We're going to get back into the Paris Agreement so that we, by the way, to re-enter the Paris Agreement, they they are required now, the U.S. will be sure. required to double their financial commitment. You guys get out of the Paris Agreement. You're going to get spanked to the tune of double your commitments it's, in order to join to jo- rejoin the Paris Agreement. Get on board. It's, you know, I... I were I on the were I on the other side of this equation, I would I would have a much much more cynical view of it as it is now. I have a credibly cynical view of it, but if money made a difference in this thing, it would be solved. 
Same with the elections, right? right. The Democrats outspent the Republicans sixty-five to thirty-five yeah. percent on just, the on the last election cycle. Just doesn't make that much difference at a certain point. Just like in this thing, money at a certain point, money only gets you so far. At a certain point, physics take over. With respect to elections, at a certain point, human sentiment takes over. Again, that's why the EVs are going to have trouble because human sentiment is not going to be, hey, I'm very proud of my new electric truck that was built with slave labor in China, child labor in the Congo. Hmm. Says nobody ever. Yeah. So, and also that they don't want to pay double for a car that is not nearly 113000 bucks for an all electric Humvee. Very cheap it's for Schwarzenegger. No, no, it was a, it was a hum. It was a hum. It yeah. was a Hummer. Yeah, they're back. Hundred hundred thirteen thousand bucks, twice. twice. Now, now twice. Arnold can now Arnold can own a Hummer again and 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 be able to sleep at night. Yeah. I I gotta run. This is a wrap. Episode eleven is in the books. Peace, Peace. out, everybody. Peace.